Welcome to Better Angels, the podcast for women living with purpose. I'm Susan Ferry Price, and each week I have a conversation with a woman who's using her voice to create more good in our world. Thanks for joining us. This week's episode is sponsored by SheBD. SheBD is the woman-owned CBD brand committed to helping women take control of their health through informed choices. SheBD provides the highest quality CBD-rich broad-spectrum hemp products available, products that help women restore balance in their minds and their bodies. Sometimes a woman finds new purpose for her life after something that no one ever wants to experience. Scarlett Lewis's life changed on December 14, 2012, when her son Jesse was killed in his first-grade classroom at Sandy Hook Elementary School along with 19 of his classmates and six teachers and administrators. In the aftermath of that horrific shooting, many people, including myself, called for more stringent gun control. Scarlett's activism took a different route, one that was sparked by Jesse himself. Shortly before he died, Jesse had written three words, spelled incorrectly, on a chalkboard in the kitchen of their Connecticut home, nurturing, healing, love. Those remarkable words became the basis of Scarlett's mission. She founded the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Foundation and created a free program to help kids, and now adults, develop the social and emotional skills we need to live in a peaceful, compassionate community. It's pretty hard to imagine a message more needed in our world today than the one six-year-old Jesse Lewis scribbled on that blackboard and which Scarlett is living every day. Here's Scarlett. The Sandy Hook shooting, at least in my lifetime, was one of a handful of days where you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing when you heard the horrific news. I hate to bring you back to that time, even for a moment, but if you'd tell us a bit about your life at that time, I believe you were a single mom. Yes, I was a single mom. And so I was a full-time working single mom, taking care of two boys with a long commute, having to, you know, get rides for them to and from school and daycare and all of that. It was a great life. You know, I, I loved my boys. I had gone through a time where I had realized because I worked long hours. I was an executive assistant at that time. So I would be up at midnight helping my boss from my phone change his airline tickets and things like that. So I worked a lot of hours. And I remember when I realized I worked more hours actually than I spent with my kids. I unplugged my TV. I donated it to Goodwill. And so I was very present with my kids. We had a great time. We live on a small farm. I still live on the same farm in the middle of Sandy Hook. And so we had animals and dogs and horses and chickens. And it was just the way that I wanted my boys to grow up. We had a garden and every night they would come in with dirt under their fingernails. And I thought that that represented a good day. When you first saw those words that Jesse had written on the blackboard, It must have been startling. Did it really register right away that he left this sort of prescient message? It really did. It was shocking. 
I don't know if you were a spiritual person before that that moment, but I, I am. And I, I remember hearing this story. I don't know if I read your book or where I came across it. And, you know, I, I get teary just thinking about it now, actually, just thinking, wow, you were really gifted with this mission and this connection that is really something very beautiful in spite of, of what had happened. You just, you know, immediately that those three words aren't in the vernacular of a six-year-old. They were phonetically spelled. I knew that there was a spiritual awareness, at least, that he wasn't going to be around, I thought. You know, I also knew that if the shooter, because I thought a lot about the shooter, obviously, during that time, and not like other people did, by the way. There was a lot of blame, fault-finding, finger-pointing after that on various things. A lot of the blame obviously went to the shooter and his mom, but it wasn't, I just thought it just can't be that simple. It can't all be their fault because if it was, it would never have happened before and it would never happen again. But it has happened before Sandy Hook. And of course we know that unfortunately it's, it's kind of like our new normal now. So that can't be all the shooter and his mom's fault from Sandy Hook. So I knew that, that, it, that we had to take a different approach than what we had been taking. And, you know, seeing those three words, I realized with a little bit of thought that if he had been able to give and receive, so in other words, had the essential life skills to be able to give and receive nurturing, healing, love, the tragedy would never have happened. It w- that was simple, but getting that into the hearts and minds of kids and adults is not as simple, but it's a simple concept. And that's where my mission started. That's how that I knew that I would be spending the rest of my life spreading that message. Oh, I remember just yeah, so much blame and anger coming up. On your website, there's a very simple question. Why choose love? It just goes into the category of simple but uneasy. But it, it really, at essence, that is every moment in life, what we're, what we're doing is we're reacting and responding to things either from a place of fear or a place of love. So jumping ahead a bit to your work now, I'm wondering, you know, in this moment where people are reacting rather <laughs> divisively, and strongly because a lot of fear is being triggered and, and pretty primal fears, you know, losing your health, your job, a loved one. Has it become more challenging to talk about compassion and forgiveness and acceptance? People are craving this. <laughs> They're craving love. They're craving connection. They're craving belonging. This is what unites us all as, as a human species, the want and need to love and be loved. And the more we isolate, the more disconnection there is, the more we crave how we are designed to be. We have mirror neurons in our brains. We are supposed to be together. We need one another. In fact, Charles Darwin never said survival of the fittest. That's kind of the mantra that we live under. But in actuality, He concluded in his research, it would be survival of the most sympathetic. And by sympathetic, he meant altruistic, generous, 
and compassionate. And so that is how we survive. That is how we thrive as a species. It's not elbowing our way to the top. It's literally giving a hand to someone else. And that's what we need right now. And so people are craving this. And to to me, it's almost amazing that we have had eight and a half years to create and then refine and then through the pandemic, refine again all of our information and programming so that it is completely appropriate for where we are right now, this unprecedented time in our lives. I love that it is filling almost a desperate need for not only our kids, but us big kids as well. Yeah, you may have originally developed this for children, but the skills you're talking about in your formula are we all need compassion, courage, gratitude, forgiveness. That's the formula to help you to taking your personal power back, to returning your locus of control, to thoughtfully respond by choosing love in any situation, circumstance, or interaction. So tell us a little bit about the process of coming up with that formula. Well, we looked at all of the latest research, including the neuroscience of what children need, what leads to flourishing in a human life. And there were many things. There, There was mindfulness. There was positive psychology. There was growth mindset. There was social and emotional intelligence. There was character education. And with our growing base of trauma that we're seeing in schools and in homes, it would have to be something that was trauma-informed. We literally just took the best of the best and we put it into one program And we teach everything under this very simple formula for thoughtfully responding, returning that locus of control to yourself, taking your personal power back and choosing love. A lot of the uh, suffering that we're seeing today is simply because our brains don't feel safe. There's so much anxiety out there. We're, We're literally not created to have access to global information 24-7. So we're all a bit overwhelmed. There's a lot going on. All of this kind of leads to returning that power and control to you that you feel like you don't have when you're anxious. When you're anxious, you feel like things happen to you. You become victimized. You become powerless you lose hope. And when you can return that locus of control to inside of you, when when you feel like you can make things happen, when you're responsible for what's going on in your life now and going forward, you have hope and it leads to flourishing. Yeah, it's true. The only power we ever have is internal and and a lot of people, as you say, don't have those skills. And, and sometimes people, it can be more challenging to look inside and to take responsibility for, for how you feel when it's easier 
to look outside and blame this person or this situation for your own experience or how you're feeling about your experience. I'd love to hear your own process for forgiving what essentially most people would consider unforgivable. Oh, absolutely. And I think it was more of a determination to not be another victim of the shooter. I was absolutely not going to allow him to have control over my thoughts that impact how I feel, that then determine how I show up in my relationships and how I behave. And I realized the only way for me to take my personal power back was by choosing to forgive. And it was so interesting, the different conversations that I had, the formula actually comes directly from Jesse's message. So Jesse's message on the kitchen chalkboard was nurturing, healing, love. And when you break down the meaning of each of those, we're talking about forgiveness. So healing literally means forgiveness. Everyone, when they heard that I wanted to forgive, was like, what? There are certain things that you've forgive and certain things that you don't. And this is one of the things that you don't. Actually, Jesse's dad said that to me. I had even a little bit of conflict within my family on the definition of forgiveness. (laughs) But everyone said, oh my gosh, this is way too lofty a topic for you to teach kids. And the amazing thing is kids love forgiveness they call it a superpower. They say it feels so good to let it go. But what I realized was that it was us big kids. We don't really understand forgiveness. We traditionally think it's, you know, like a gift that you give somebody that hurts you. And why would you do that when in actuality, what I found was that it was a gift that I gave myself, that it had really nothing to do with the man who murdered Jesse. It had everything to do with my personal freedom and my ability to move forward with under my own control and with joy and happiness. And that was all based on my decision to forgive. It strikes me as really an unfair burden to put on a parent to say, you, this is something you can't forgive. People do that with grief as well. You know, when a child dies in any circumstance, people say, this is the worst kind of grief. And I always think, oh yeah, why are you adding to someone's pain and and making them sort of cementing in their mind that, you know, that pain is never going to lighten? Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're saying that because one of the therapists that came by a few days after Jesse's murder literally said she bent down, she was on her knees, she put her hand on my on my knee and she said I lost a child and she was the first person I had spoken to that had actually gone through, you know, something relatively similar at least the loss and she said you're never going to get over this. You're always going to feel like you feel right now. And actually she did me a favor because I literally held my hand up to her and I said that may be your journey that is not going to be mine. I am not going to feel like this forever. I am going to heal. I knew that if I felt like that, I may not live, frankly. 
And, and I did not want that for my future. I didn't want it for my living son's future. I had a 12-year-old son. He had the rest of his life ahead of him. And I was going to be modeling how to survive this and thrive. And so I realized then and there that I was going to have to determine my path. And it was going to have to be on my own terms. And it was going to look like what I wanted it to look like. And once you were ready to move forward, how did the idea for the movement begin to come together? I wanted to be part of the solution. I knew what happened to Jesse was 100% preventable. And so I started researching how to do it. I knew what we'd been doing up to that point wasn't working. (laughs) That's pretty obvious. And then actually you can translate that not only into school shootings, but into suicide into substance abuse, into bullying, into loneliness, into so many other things. And so I started researching and I came upon social and emotional learning. I went to, I actually spoke to the curriculum director at Sandy Hook Elementary School. And I said, have you heard of this? (laughs) And she said, of course I have. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, we spent so much money on a program that we couldn't afford to train the teachers. And so it never got out of the box. That's literally, literally a quote from her. And so I realized that this was the solution and that I would have to create a program that was relevant that was respectful of educators because they have the most important job in the entire world. There are modern day superheroes and, you know, they don't, they don't have a lot of time. And so we created a program that put the best of the best that would benefit the educators as much as the students. And we made it free. And, and literally this was to save lives, Susan, because I, know that if the shooter had had access to these skills and tools, that not only would he be alive, but my son would be alive. And amazingly, Sue Klebold, who is the mother of the Columbine shooter, just put out a documentary called American Tragedy uh, for the 20th anniversary of Columbine. And basically, she says in that documentary, she spent 20 years asking what she could have done, what she should have done, what maybe she did and she shouldn't have done, ends up at the same place. She says, mindfulness and social and emotional learning would have saved her son's life. So here's two moms on opposite ends of the spectrum, but landing on the same solution I started out just to fill in the gaps. I I didn't know how many schools had social and emotional learning. I knew that I knew that Sandy Hook had invested in it, but it had never gotten out of the box. I didn't know what the deal was with other schools and then found a couple years after our launch that less than 10% of US schools had social and emotional learning. And so, you know, it went from filling the gaps to being one of the main providers of social and emotional learning. It's a desperate need that we have right now, especially with everything that's going on. Kids are anxious. They're worried, as are their parents. And this program, we have a specific program to deal with self-regulation, which 
you need to do in order to be able to relate to other people, in order to be able to learn. And so that has literally been flying off the shelves called Choosing Love in Our Brave New World. And it just happens to be what people need right now, but we have always needed it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, there's also been a, an evolution in how we understand how kids are affected by trauma and bullying and, of course, mental illness. Actually, you know, the, the mental illness issue is also, I didn't get into that, but that is way beyond whatever our COVID pandemic is. And this also addresses the cause of the majority of mental illness. So we can actually reduce and prevent the suffering before it starts with social and emotional learning. So let's go through in a little more depth the the four key steps in your formula. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, the formula starts with courage. And courage is the most important character value because it's the one that underlies all the rest. We need courage every single day in our lives. Sometimes just to get out of bed and put our best foot forward. We need courage to do the right thing, to tell the truth, to face our fear, to be vulnerable, to be our authentic self. And science tells us that courage is like a muscle. We can literally practice it to strengthen it. I can't talk about courage without talking about Jesse's courage. Jesse actually stood up to the shooter that came into his classroom and his brave actions saved nine of his classmates' lives. Remember, he was six years old. And I talk about that courage because we all have the capacity for that courage. And of course, hopefully none of us will ever be in that situation, but it is the courage to face what's going on in our world and to take our personal power back and, and thoughtfully respond with love, which is, you know, returning that locus of control to ourselves that I was talking about before. And then we go into Jesse's chalkboard message, which is nurturing, healing, love, nurturing, means loving kindness and gratitude and practicing gratitude every day is so important. We know the decades of research behind that. One of the ways that the Choose Love movement uses it that's very unique is as we call it the great mind shifter. So we all have tens of thousands of thoughts that go through our heads every single day. They impact us each thought on a cellular level. Each thought literally leads us towards languishing or flourishing. And the amazing thing is that we can only think one thought at a time. We can only focus on one thought at a time. So the majority of our thoughts are negative and repetitive, but we can only focus on one of those thoughts at a time. So when you're having a negative, lower energy, angry, resentful, frustrated thought, you can literally replace that thought by choosing a grateful thought. There's always something to be grateful for. It may take courage to be grateful if things aren't going your way, but you can always think of something to be grateful for and you can only think one thought at a time. So literally it is the great mind shifter. And then that neuroscientifically strengthens you to consider forgiveness. Now we go back to courage because courage is the the most important character value and it, it takes courage to do everything in our lives, but it does take courage also to forgive, especially when the person who hurt you isn't sorry. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they don't even know that they hurt you 
Or maybe it's the courage to forgive yourself for a mistake that you made and to let it go. But it definitely takes courage. But that is, in some instances, the only way to take your personal power back. Like mine, compassion in action. That is the final character value. So you've had the courage to be grateful even when things aren't going your way, the courage to forgive, and then the courage to step outside of your own maybe busyness, even distraction, even pain and suffering to identify a need from for someone, even if it's yourself, and then actively do something to help ease that need. That is compassion in action. And when you've done that, you have chosen love. So in schools, how does it actually work? Is it an add-on to the curriculum or do individual teachers choose it? That's a great question. Uh, Different schools do it in different ways. Some start the day with it. Most spread their year out and, and teach this throughout the year and incorporate it into their mission statement. They've been painting their buildings with this. We have a corresponding home program. We've got communities now where mayors are issuing proclamations for Choose Love Days. So this is something that everyone can be a part of. You can have individual teachers teaching this. In, in some, it's taught by the counselor. In some, it's taught in a certain classroom. In others, every teacher teaches it. It's really the best way to create a connected, compassionate, and loving culture. And amazingly, we know that having that kind of loving culture is really the number one way to have a safe school. Because if you look at even the pathway to violence, it starts with a grievance, ends in an attack. And we know that when you have that connected compassionate, loving culture that can reduce and precede a grievance from even happening. Or if one does, you give the educators as well as the students the skills and tools they need to manage that grievance before it escalates. So really, this is as much for the educators as it is for the students, because knowing these essential life skills in your head is not enough You actually have to practice them every day. And life is this beautiful thing that gives us the ability to practice these social and emotional skills, tools, and attitudes every single day. And I am the first to say, you know, at 44 years old, when I learned about what they were, like learning how to have healthy relationships and meaningful connections, learning how to identify, label, manage, and express emotions learning how to grow through and be strengthened by difficulty instead of being taken down by it, learning how to make responsible decisions. I realized right away, I don't have these skills and tools. Now, I had great parents. I am a college graduate. I was an investment banker and bond trader, real estate agent, a little bit of everything as a a single mom, but I was not 
socially and emotionally intelligent. And I learned these skills and tools at the age of 44 for the first time. And of course, practice them every day now. And I have to tell you that my life is exponentially better. So this is really something for everyone. That's why we have a lifespan program. It actually starts prenatally because your reaction as a pregnant mom to your environment can negatively impact your baby's forming brain. We have an infant toddler program because that's such an important time for a baby's brain development. And if you're like I was as a single mom handing my babies over at six weeks to either public or private daycares, I'm sure that they love them, but I'm also sure that the majority of them aren't trained in brain development for that age. And so this is a free program. You can print off and hand to your daycare provider that really can help your child. And then, of course, we have pre-K through 12th grade. Then we have programming for homes and communities, for athletics and leadership. And then businesses started coming to us and saying, hey, is that formula available for our employees? So we've started also teaching in businesses as well and giving professional development there. Yeah, I think we all have been living with this myth that we're you know, we know these things intuitively, or we just pick them up as kids from our parents, from our friends, but that's just not the case. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. I I think that we've thought up until now, oh, the parents teach this stuff, but you know, I'll be the first to admit you can't give what you don't have. And we're not born with these skills and tools. There's nothing to be ashamed about. We're not born with these skills and tools. If we didn't learn them, we get to be in adults and we don't have them and you can't give your kids what you don't have. So literally, it has to be taught in schools and in homes. There has to be a partnership. Everybody has to be on the same page. And believe it or not, we are supported by individual donations. So individuals that believe in what we're doing, that understand that we have to take responsibility for what's going on in our world and what's happening to our kids and and even ourselves and that we can be part of the solution and that there is one. So we are supported by individual donations. It's really important. We continue to, to make this program free because we know through research that this is the direct path to flourishing. With so many of us caught up in divisiveness and anger, Scarlett Lewis's capacity to forgive and her commitment to creating a more compassionate society feels more vital than ever. Visit chooselove.org and download its free resources for teachers, parents, community groups, business leaders, really for all of us. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Follow Better Angels on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. A rating or review helps us expand our community of visionary women. For more of those women and great women-owned brands, visit SusanFerryPrice.com and follow me on Instagram. Know a world-changing woman or brand I should know? Of course you do. Drop me a line at Susan at SusanFerryPrice.com. See you next week.